Welcome back to One Winning Pod. The Ravens did it. They won in the divisional round, 34-10, being the Texans with 24 unanswered points in the second half, hosting a AFC Championship game for the first time as the Ravens, and the first time since 1970 for the city of Baltimore. A truly historic win for a historic team that isn't done writing their stories. Guys, we were just briefly talking about it, and we, we got hit record. How was the vibe? How did you feel at the stadium? How relieved are you to have won this game? <laughs> vibes, uh, vibes to the game. Super excited, obviously. Um, I feel like this is the first playoff game I've been to in quite some time. Um, great atmosphere, as always. Um, last couple home games at the bank, I think, have been pretty great. I feel like the, the having the game on Saturday and then having a full day in between before recording, good idea. Uh, I feel like my voice <laughs> is recovered, so that's good. Um, but yeah, no, I can't wait for the championship game, man. I think it's going to be great. Uh, I just, I can't wait to be in that atmosphere. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I had, uh, I had no voice, no voice on Sunday. Um, funny story, Sunday night, um, I was upstairs getting my daughter ready for bed and I needed Alice's help. So I, I kind of tried to shout down, you know, th- that I needed her upstairs, but it really came out as a croak. And immediately as I, I heard it exit my mouth, I'm like, she's going to think that I like tripped and fell and like broke my leg or something. Cause that's the tone that came out. <laughs> so of course she comes up, you know, panicked. I'm just like, no, it's just, I just needed help getting her dressed. That's all. I needed an extra hand. Everything's fine. But um, yeah, man, that was, that was fun. And I mean, you know, I love the Mars post game conference, uh, which we'll talk about after at sort of at some point. Um, you know, this isn't the end goal for this team, right? This isn't the end goal, but man, did, did it feel good to savor that coming out of the stadium, just walking down the ramp, I, you know, it just kind of hit me. Cause I'm like, you know, these moments don't come too often in a fan base, right? This is the first time in a decade that the Ravens have made it this far. Um, you're we're obviously fans of the Orioles as well. They were able to make the, um, the ALCS in 2014 baseball is equivalent of this, um, it's been a while it's been a while since we've had a baltimore team make it this far and let's see if they can make the full thing right so you know celebrated it uh saturday night and then woke up sunday and i was like all right that was fun we're on to kansas city i i I feel like you could feel a weird energy in the beginning of the game just like the anticipation and the nervousness i i feel like so I mean, uh, the Texans offense came on the field first, right? So Ravens defense was on the field, and obviously everybody's up, everybody's yelling, like you know, high energy kind of thing. But then the the offense got on the field, and I felt like no one sat down, like everyone was just standing up. We were just like waiting for a score. We just like it's like everyone needed that first touchdown, and then the lead to to begin before we'd feel comfortable. Because I think everybody in their minds was just like, I mean, they're looking obviously back at like 2019 and they're like, oh my God, like we're going to come out and collapse immediately. And like, unless we see like the team start to get going, like right now, this energy is just, everyone's going to be wired for it. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the game is a little bit close in the first half. We'll talk about it. Second half, things started going away and, you know, the Ravens ended up running away with it. And I think the energy, you know, everyone calmed down, you know, they were like, okay, all right, we're going to get out of here with a win. We can celebrate, and now we can move on to the next one now that we've got the monkey off our back. Yeah, so I, I was saying right before we started that I felt like Chris was like a therapist for me, a helper, a, a guide, a Sherpa. 
of my emotions during this game because like you know 24 unanswered that felt really good but that 10 10 i just had a sour taste in my mouth where i was like man like we should be up by more i don't like this like they need like they're clearly the better team it reminded actually me like just think about now this is exactly what the conversation was at the texans game week one where we're like we should be beating them by more this is ridiculous like where are the points right and well, Lamar got those points and I felt so much better like boom got the seven I was like okay feels good and they got that big stop and I was like yes awesome and then you know they scored again and we're like woo you know like okay now we're talking or now we're living the living the dream and um you know Chris he was like there for me he helped me get hot hands in my feet because I couldn't bend over I was so stuffed up with all this stuff like I couldn't even like really move (laughs) I was trying to stay so warm with all these layers. I was basically like the Michelin man <laughs> waddling. With all yeah, the layers. You, were just so, you were so miserable going into halftime. I was like, is it the cold? Is it the game? And you're just like everything. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was just like, I was, like, the cold wasn't, it wasn't really the primary thing. I was just like, guys, it would feel like it was 73 and sunny if you were just winning already. And then they started winning and I did feel like it was 73 and sunny, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and those hand warmers were game changer though. I mean, I, I too had to swap, swap out uh, in the third quarter, mainly the foot ones. I think the, the hand ones uh, lasted the entire game, but yeah, I mean, it, it was easy though. I felt to take your mind off, the the weather like you said once they started winning it was you know just good thing after good thing happened Lamar Jackson had an incredible game um feels so good for him yeah I mean of course for the whole team but for him to finally get that monkey off his back of you know I, I think all of us on this pod felt that it was inevitable he's too good of a quarterback for him to continue to go throughout the rest of his career and put up the the games that are subpar to his ability um, that he had put up to to date um, in his short playoff career that he had, he probably would have been able to put a similar type of game together in uh, 21 or 22 had he been healthy. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But, you know, now he's got that. He's got that in the back of his mind. If there was ever any doubt, which I don't think there was for him, you know, you can look at that and say, look, he can do the same things in the postseason that he can do in the regular season. And then it's all going to be just, you know, one foot in front of the other now from this point on. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I feel like that kind of seg- uh, has a good segue to go into the offense. Uh, I feel like we should kind of talk about it. But um, yeah, the first half, like we were kind of saying earlier, uh, it was a little bit shaky. I think, um, you know, there was a, a, a one good drive in there um, where we were able to get a touchdown. Um, but as far as, you know, the rest of it, I think the Texans had a lot of success, uh, particularly in the blitz. Um, we really just lacked a lot of answers. You know, Lamar took a couple sacks, um, had to hang on the ball a little bit longer than they wanted to. And, uh, you know, just weren't able to uh, have those consistent drives uh, down the field. Um, but, you know, uh, kind of looking at the second half as well, you know, second half adjustments were great. I think Munkin had a great, uh, great adjustments the second half. They started opening up the pass game a little bit, getting the ball out a little bit quicker on a little bit short routes. And, uh, you know, you started to see a lot of success, uh, both in the pass game and the run game as well. Yeah, that adjustment is unreal. You know, I was getting frustrated with uh, with Lamar a little bit because I was like, you either need to like pass the ball, like have trust that your guys are going to get open downfield if you're trying to do these long concepts, or like go to the short game. And they they chose the latter, so they went to the short game, and it's 
really interesting, the stats. So in the first half, um, Lamar tried 3.9 or yeah, 3.92 seconds per pass play, 7 for 11 for 52 yards and three sacks. And in the second half, it was 2.48 seconds per uh, time to throw, 9 for 11, 100 yards, zero sacks. So basically doubled the production with less time in the pocket with the same amount of attempts and no sacks. Uh, huge turnaround and success rate and really one of the big reasons the offense started moving. And I thought that was a great adjustment. I'm glad, you know, he and Munkin were able to have that conversation and, you know, write the course for the offense. And I really did feel like Lamar, you know, truly was demonstrating to all the NFL why he's the MVP, his ability to take the game into his own hands, score four touchdowns, which like, if you listen to my whole prediction, I said like he was going to throw four and then I switched it to like, we'll have four touchdowns. <laughs> like I kind of like changed the wording. So I feel like I don't like, don't really get credit for that. But uh, I'm glad that he was involved in so many touchdowns and led us to victory, obviously. And um, the stats already gone around. But like only quarterback in history to have 100 yards rushing, 100 yards passing, two and two touchdowns uh, in both passing and running in a game in the playoffs. So definitely a very cool and unique uh, performance by Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and then uh, you know it's funny. I feel like. Um... You know, if that game had gone a little bit differently a Sunday night, I feel like Josh Allen would have been somewhat close. At least they had the rushing touchdowns, but maybe not the yards. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly I think um, it was good. It was, you know, it was good for him to kind of put the team on his back, um, you know, a little bit and just, you know, st- continue to show why, uh, you know, why he's the leader of this team, right? Um, you know, everyone had his back. Um, and, uh, you know, Lamar was able to kind of put up, put up a performance that we know he's capable of. So. Yeah, um, you know, kind of going in, you know, not just Lamar um, all over the team, but I mean, a couple shout outs. I, I feel like the O-line, we kind of got to talk about those guys. Um, I feel like the extra rest, particularly for Stanley um, and even Moses, I think, I think was pretty great. Um, Stanley, I think, had one of his best games. I mean, a couple of those great plays of those, um, you know, fake runs, um, have Lamar kind of sneak out the left side. Stanley's been the lead blocker. Uh, was able to get out in space, uh, make a block and let Lamar do his thing. Uh, that was on the one play for uh, one of one of his rushing touchdowns, I believe, was over on that side. And, uh, you know, I feel like that was one of his best games. Um, still did, you know, rotate with McCarry a little bit for a couple of drives. But, uh, you know, great, great game from him. And, you know, obviously, I think on the other side, you know, like, like you said, the Texans were able to get some pressure um, and get a couple of sacks on some of those guys. Um, you know, but I, I think... Uh, you know, from the tackle situation, I feel like uh, I came out of that game, uh, you know, pretty happy with where we were at. Did you guys check uh, or were able to see either while watching live or on the replay, um, Ronnie Stanley on the long completion debatement? I see that in the notes. I didn't like note it, but let's hear it, man. I definitely recommend anyone who hasn't like rewatched that play and watched the offensive line to watch that play because. I didn't notice it real time, particularly from, you know, I had you guys, I was at a different section than you guys for this game. I was at the end zone seats. You guys were at the sideline. Um, much easier to watch the downfield play. And everyone was shouting at that time for <laughs> Lamar to throw him to Bateman because he had Bateman open for about like three seconds. It felt like uh, downfield before that completion was finally made. But Stanley on that play, man, he gets a, a great jump off in number 95, Derek Barnett for Houston. He starts bull rushing him. He does a spin move. Stanley's not phased at all. His footwork's still there, and Barnett just runs out of energy, and Stanley just pancakes him flat on the ground, and Lamar still has like another half second back there before he lets it go. 
highly recommend people look that up, that play. It was at uh, quarter three, four minutes, 58 seconds left to go. Just Ronnie, my, he's back. Like you, you just need to see that play. And that play is an all pro tackle, just absolutely schooling a guy, not having any issue at all with this guy, he's, this guy's moves. And just look, you know, we'll, we'll see if it maintains. Um, because obviously we know Ronnie, he's been battling a lot with his body, but to see that he's still capable of making that play was huge to me. And like Chris was saying, you know, there was a lot of other great plays he made too, but that play was just incredibly dominant and just reminiscent of what this guy used to be able to do on a weekend week out basis. So that was incredible to see. Um, I think one of the best performances in this game of great performances was Ronnie Stanley's game, particularly in the second half, just an excellent performance by, by this, this guy. Yeah, it definitely makes you wonder what they're going to do in the offseason. I, for one, didn't really see, like, everyone in Ravens Twitter is like, oh, we got to cut him, get that $8 million back. And I was like, I feel like that's too much, or, like, that's too little gain. I mean, I guess you get the 15th, you did that, like, June 1st designation, but then it spends money next year, too. I was like, I feel like I just keep him around, because um, he's a solid, you know, player, and he, and he has upside, like, you know, we're discussing here. And after seeing that play, and other plays, he had the best game of his whole season and hopefully he can keep stacking into the playoffs that that changes it i feel like it really does it might really change the way the team views like he truly was just injured uh, you know injured and that was kind of what was slowing him down from playing well because like you know end of last year i thought he was playing like ronnie stanley you know like he he looked like he wasn't like maybe as dominant as he once was but he was clearly above average and still pretty good and not a to- total waste of the you know, salary money. So I, I hope so. Now the other guy who kind of like solidified the other direction for me is Simpson. He had more penalties in this game. I saw him getting beat and and running downs and pass downs. I was just like, man, like he's just, he's just hit like average. I feel like he's not good enough to want to keep long-term. Like he's a, he's a fine piece to have, um, you know, as, as a backup, but I don't want to necessarily have him be my starter long-term. I'm hoping to find a better option. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, uh, yeah, you know, for the playoffs, I, you know, he's he's the guy. I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's anybody else we can kind of sub in. But you know, I'm sure later in the off season, uh, hopefully sometime in February, if uh, if things go to plan, uh, we can talk about that a little bit. But you know, obviously we'll have Cleveland, we all have uh, Voorhees as well, and you know, maybe we'll draft another guy. Uh, <laughs> could be an option. But uh, That's solid but yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> so, yeah, Salah as well. Um, yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, o- overall, I mean, I think, uh, you know, from a pass blocking perspective, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Simpson had a little bit of a down game this time. Um, I, I didn't take a look at close look, you know, for the whole game, but I thought there were a few negative plays that I saw from uh, from Zeitler as well. But he kind of exited the game a little bit early. Uh, he got flat you know, out came in. on one of those sacks towards the end of the ground. He was just completely blown back on his back. Was not great to see. Yeah, that was that was the play I was thinking of as well. Um, yeah, so I mean that one's a little bit concerning, um, but then again, um, you know, as far as you know, as far as what we needed in this game, I think you know, like like we kind of saying earlier, I think the offense adjusted right, and so it, it didn't it didn't feel like it was a situation that was you know dire. Um, Lamar was getting the ball out pretty quickly. Uh, the run game was also, you know, wearing down and uh, wearing down the Texans defense as well. Um, from you know, which we'll talk about. So, um, you know, run blocking I felt was was pretty good. 
Um, you know, we put up, gosh, I want to say over 200 yards, um, something close to it. Lamar at 100, obviously. Um, Justice Hill at a bunch. So, um, yeah, I mean, all in all, I think, you know, a pretty successful day uh, overall for the offense, even if individuals on, on the line, you know, weren't as good. Yeah, I'm not terribly interested about next year yet. Um, you know, we'll figure out. I'm sure the front office will figure out what they're doing with Ronnie, what they're doing with Simpson. I mean, but, you know, if you you can't look ahead. You've just got to look. I'm not even thinking about the Super Bowl. I'm just thinking about, you know, what we've got Ravens have right ahead of them um, and the guys they got. So, you know, I think that there are definitely concerns with the veteran, you know, that you have on this team. So you'd like some guys to be healthier than, than are, but I think overall, um, when Lamar was able to, you know, take what the defense gave him, settle down, I think the offensive line looked a lot better. I still would have liked the pass protection as a whole to have been better. I, I do think that some of the sacks that you saw in the second quarter, some of the plays that weren't able to develop, some of it I think was on Lamar trying to do too much, but some of it was also just, you know, the offensive line not giving him quite as much time as you would like. But hey, look, it is still the unit that gives me the most yeah, concern, honestly, uh, of any unit on this team as far as what could go wrong and hold the Ravens back from ultimately holding Lombardi at the end of this year. But yeah, I think you saw strong things from, from Stanley. Uh, Linderbaum had a great game again, uh, some great blocking on, on in the run departments, particularly. Um, hopefully it's enough. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the chiefs I think will be their own uh, tr- trouble. And even though we've already, you know, beaten both the Lions and the 49ers pretty big this year. If you have to go against either of them, they've got guys who can rush the passer as well. So the good news we've got here, though, I mean, I know we already talked about Lamar, but I think we still have to emphasize the fact that Lamar is has been able to maintain his rushing ability while continuing to get better as a passer. It's officially just unfair for defenses. You know, just they have to, to guard the whole field now. And he can just run it up if everything's covered. I mean, it is incredible to see this guy operate. Some of the runs that he had were just, I mean, the defense had everything covered and still he would be able to get a big gain. So, you know, certainly front seven, excuse me, the offensive line, you'd like it to be a little more solid, but when you got a quarterback like Jackson back there, you know, I think the Ravens can work with it. There it is, man. I think that's why he was smirking. They said that they took the governor off of him and go run, you know, <laughs> go win us a football game for the next, you know, three games. Just go do it. Be you. And uh, I, I can I can live with that. I can live with a regular season of running the offense at 75 percent capacity to try and uh, up our odds of keeping Lamar at 100 percent capacity for the playoffs, because then, you know, you put the pedal to the metal. So. It is. It's impossible, man. Like the way he plays. That's kind of why. Like in a way, I'm happy that uh, Josh Allen's out because he tries to play a version of that kind of game too, where he, he'll like run it after you. Uh, you know, if he doesn't see something downfield. It's tough, man. I don't know how you. I'll, it's hard to beat those kind of quarterbacks, and, and you know, have a successful day as a defense. So, Roquan says it all the time. Like he's glad to be on the other side, and I think they're right. Like 
I would love to see an alternate universe. I guess it's practice. <laughs> where, you know, the Ravens defense actually goes against Lamar Jackson. Because, like, it's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, some of those plays were just unfair. Um, you know, I'm thinking of, like, the uh, the the designed uh, QB run and be able to get Lamar's first touchdown. I mean, spread him out wide. Everybody's covering the pass. And, you know, there's a wide open hole in the middle. Like, not even fair. Um, it wasn't like he was even that close to the goal line either. I think it was, like, a 12-yard run or something. Um. Yeah, plenty of plays like that. It, it was kind of you know it, it it feels almost kind of funny, right? I feel like Houston when they kind of started up in the game, they're like, okay, we're going to cover the pass and force you to run. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like you know, usually it's the other way around. Um, but in this case, like Lamar's like, all right, I'll take that all day. Like you know, I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, and ended up you know being the leader and rusher of the team. But uh, that kind of goes into another good segue though. You know, with, uh, just the run game. Just kind of want to give a couple shout outs. Um, you know, I, I feel like for me, I feel like justice Hill, um, was a great, uh, was a great, like one, two punch with Lamar in this game. I think, uh, justice had a lot of great runs. Um, you know, I feel like he's definitely been trending up in this latter half of the season. Um, you know, I still like, even in the last couple of weeks, I, I think I had said, you know, a couple of things of like, Hey, you know, Hey, it looks great. But you know, there's still some things I think you'd like to clean up. I, I feel like this game, like he, he just looked excellent. Um, was consistently getting, um, you know, big runs on second down and putting, putting the offense in third and manageable situations, um, looked great. And, you know, even toward the end of the game, um, they still had him in there being able to pick up big plays, um, pass protection also, you know, consistently great. And, uh, you know, a weapon in the passing game, too. Just, you know, a safety net for Lamar to be able to pass that ball underneath when he needs to. Um, I, I really think he was probably one of the uh, underrated Ravens uh, in this game. Yeah, I mean, it was a really strong – I felt it was a strong day for all the Ravens running backs. Um, Justice Hill, I'm pretty sure that was a career high in rushing yards for him, uh, over 5.1 yards per carry. Really effective there. Gus Edwards, very pedestrian line, but I feel like he ran hard. You know, he was able to get some good chunk runs. This is not, you know, not too long ago, it was easy to run against this Houston Texans defense, right? They were for years among the league's worst and a couple of years where they were the absolute worst in the league at stopping the run, get constantly getting gashed by Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. But um, this year really shored that up that I was had some concern that we would have some difficulty running there. And granted, yeah, with the running backs, it wasn't the easiest yards that we've seen them get all year, but they continued at it. The Ravens were consistent with it. The game plan was consistent with it. And, you know, you got good things out of it. Um, and we even got to see a little bit of Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook came out there at late in the game, rocking number 31. Um, uh, his first carry as a Raven was longer than his longest carry as a Jet. So adds a little bit of, you know, credence to the theory that he was that he was a bad fit for the Jets and still has a little more left in the tank we'll see um I have a co-worker who's a, a Vikings fan and he is predicting next week that Dalvin Cook will have 150 yards rushing 40 yards receiving and Lamar Jackson will just <laughs> sit back in a recliner in the pocket and not have to do anything rest up for the Super Bowl which I'm all for if that happens I'm not seeing that but it is nice to see that Dalvin Cook it could be a, a guy that can you know offer us uh, you know two or three plays a game and, and, and still, you know, be just be another guy back there. Is he going to fill Keaton Mitchell's holes? I don't know. I mean, you know, Keaton Mitchell's hole, Keaton Mitchell's hole. I don't know what I meant there by multiple holes, Keaton <laughs> oh, Mitchell, but anyways, um, <laughs> moving on. 
Moving on. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, just I mean, Keaton Mitchell was so explosive and Dalvin Cook, even if he has, you know, some left, I don't think he's the same guy as he was in his absolute prime. Um, but, you know, um, it's enticing. Like I said last week, it's enticing to, that he could add some another dimension to this offense, just be another playmaker that we can throw out there. It's good knowing that he exists is what I'll say. I felt like, you know, Gus got a little banged up and then he came in and uh, played a little bit more and he had that 19-yard run and it, it looked like he could be a replacement for Gus if, like, necessary. Similarly, I think, like, you know, if Hill gets banged up, you could go on Dalvin. He's, like, a nice right in-between back um, and he, he seemed he seemed just fine. I I upgrade over Melly, like, and it's good that he's there. I, I definitely appreciate it. Glad that Hill looked as good as he did. Um, and he's definitely, you know, a guy who's contributing to this team and a big part of this run and we'll go from there. But I, I definitely do want to like point out a couple players likely didn't get a snag in the first half and then boom, early in the second had a huge series of events, big catch, big yak, stiff arming down the sideline. And then there was like a near interception where Lamar didn't throw it up. And then he was like, you know, show him like, just loft it, you know, loft it to me. Later in the game, boom, lost it, snags it out of the air, touchdown. I was like regretting not betting on the likely touchdown, anytime touchdown, because he did it again. And it's just one of those things. He's like, he does it every week. It seems like every week, likely is finding a way in the end zone. Super productive at the end of the year and a guy that you're excited to have on this team long term for cheap and makes you wonder like what they can do with him and Andrews if, uh, you know, more hyperbaric uh, oxygen is being used and he's available. <laughs> Yeah, likely um, continues to look awesome. Um, yeah, man, his his stiff arm is absolutely lethal. I mean, he took Desmond King for like 10 yards or something like that, <laughs> something crazy. And uh, yeah, that touchdown as well. I mean, it was a great, great adjustment. Kind of Lamar could it put it a little bit behind likely um, for him to adjust back to it and um, completely took Stingley out of the play. He kind of caught it over his head. That was a you know great throw from Lamar, great catch. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be great, man. I'm 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 really looking forward to it. I, I thought Andrews would be close for this game. I really hope that we can see him back for the championship game, even if it's not you know full time Mark Andrews. Like we don't need to have him you know ninety percent of snaps. Like we don't need that Mark Andrews. But I mean, if you could find a way to you know get him productive for a couple of plays and get likely productive for a couple of plays, like I mean, sheesh, man, just watch out. Like I mean. <laughs> I, like like likely's great. Likely is definitely great on you know high leverage plays, and if you need you know a, a big play down the field or you need a touchdown, like go to likely. If you know you're in a third and long situation and you got to get guys deep and you need somebody underneath to just find some space, like put Andrews in on that man. Like, um, you know it's it, it's great. I love I love that Lamar has been adjusting to life without him. But you know, if we can find a way to to have both of them back and kind of utilize their strengths for that, like I mean, man, that'd be great. Um, you know, we're playing at already such a high level without him. Um, I feel like adding him back is just like that's the that's the missing piece. That's that's the thing that's going to propel us over the top if he's able to make it. It's fascinating to look back on the 2022 draft and see. I mean, it's honestly, it still looks like a very promising tight end class, but you look at some of these tight ends that were drafted before, likely uh, Jelani Woods, Jeremy Ruckert, uh, Daniel Bellinger, some other guys who who have also done really well uh, in Kate Otten and Jake Ferguson. But I mean, 
and uh, Chig was drafted just four picks after the Titans and uh, by the Titans uh, after we took likely, but man, was that such a great find um, by this coaching staff, by, by the, the scouting department. Um, it's uh, likely it's just the athleticism that he has, and he's just such a good fit for what the Ravens like to do. Um, you know, I, I mean, do I view him as a replacement to Mark Andrews? I don't, I know some people look at, Andrew's contract and we'll say like, Oh, look, likely he's really productive too. I think that what Andrews does is, is just very few tight ends in league history are able to, to do what he's done. And that's not to take anything away from likely. Cause I think he has an incredible talent set as well. That is, has a lot still left to be unlocked. And like you're saying, when Andrews comes back, the Ravens are really going to need to find ways to where they're both focal points in this offense. And just, I mean, at, at that point you're adding a, a really a, a huge dimension here, but yeah, likely it's incredible to see him step up. We've talked about it before. Just wasn't making plays early in the season. Wasn't part of the game plan. He stepped right up and he he's made this offense continue to click. Um, not much more to say. I mean, it's just continuing to, to make big plays when called upon. Similarly, I feel like Bateman has been stepping up and making big plays catch uh, for first downs uh, that 20 yard one that we were talking about with Stanley having the great block. And he's a guy that's just like, I think he really has taken on his role in the team. He knows what it's going to be for this year. And um, I, I just, I, I think this is a good year for him, even if it wasn't what we all wanted as far as a huge breakout. And I saw, I still believe in him. I think long-term that he could really make another step next year when like, you know, kind of need this year almost as a reset and the, like gain trust in himself, gain trust with Lamar and all that. And, We'll see. Because, like, you know, we do have a lot of targets, man. We're talking about Likely, Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, OBJ. Aguilar had a touchdown this game and, you know, produces when he's called upon. I mean, just people all over in the pass catching department that are, are trusted and can, can get the job done and have done it at some point this year for a game or two. So that's what I think is awesome about this offense. It's so multiple. There's so many places we can go. And, it might be a total terror for fantasy or DFS. You never know who's going to score the touchdowns, but you know they're going to be scored, and that's what matters for winning football games. Unselfish football. You know, that's that's what it is. That's what it has had to take this year. I think that's always what it's going to take in a Lamar Jackson offense. He can throw it, obviously, but when you have that threat to run it as well as he can, you're gonna get, he's going to take get his carries. So that, of course, is going to dilute the number of, of targets to go around. Um, it's going to it requires a lot of good team guys. And, you know, I, I, we obviously don't have a huge window every now and again, the coaches Tarball will say things in a press conference. It, it, he had one point hinted to the fact that likely early in the season was getting frustrated that he wasn't a part of it and had to just be talked up and just, you know, let known that, you know, his time would come and obviously he stuck to it and he's performing now that his numbers called upon I feel like Bateman has been in a similar boat. He's had to have a lot of patience. He's slowly getting more and more in the offense, and we'll see. You know, he's contributing now. He's definitely a, a part of this offense. Is it exactly a starring role? No, but he's valuable, like we're saying. I will say one thing with him. I, I've seen enough of him to know that I, I'd like to see a little bit more reliable hands. I think that there are times when the ball goes his way that I get a little nervous that it might be a drop, and sometimes – you know, maybe not the best technique there with te- catching, but look, he's getting open, and when he has the ball in his hands, he can be a playmaker. So, yeah, I, I still think that 
there's a, a huge ceiling for this guy. Is it this year? Is it in the future? Hopefully it's with us because it'll be with someone. But yeah, just continuing to to be excited for the guy that he's getting opportunities and he's making the most of the little that he's being, uh, you know, little opportunities that he has. We'll definitely get more into it next week. Um, well, not next week, next episode when we talk about the Chiefs. But um, I feel like he's definitely going to be the dark horse against the Chiefs because, you know, you're looking at it now. Um, Zay, obviously, one of the focal points of this passing attack, but he's going to be going up probably against all pro uh, McDuffie. And so if you're looking at the other matchups uh, there, I feel like whoever's lined up, um, you know, not uh, against McDuffie, I think is uh, probably going to have those opportunities come his way. So Bateman, if you're listening, I uh, I think <laughs> I think it's a good, great opportunity for you to step up next game, man. Yeah, like you said, Zay Flowers, he uh, it was not his A game, but he didn't produce a little bit. Um, seeing here that he had uh, 24% of the target share, which um, is pretty high, I guess, but definitely felt as though... Uh, you know, he, it wasn't necessary, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, like I said, there's so many people to throw the ball to that they just didn't, uh, you know, feel the need to do anything too crazy with say flowers, but he had that big catch down the sideline where he got open for the first down. That was huge. And, um, also was able to turn up field and, you know, zigzag. He could have probably just kept going straight and got more yards, but he tried to do another juke, another highlight. Yeah. That was one concern I did have there. It, it did feel like, like you said, he did have, uh, that one catch where he was able to get upfield, but I felt like the Texans had a plan to kind of contain what he's able to do after the catch. And it was the first time I felt, you know, that I could remember, maybe that it had happened early in the year that his after the catch ability was, was kind of, you know, given some pushback and, and neutralized a bit. Now, of course, I think that the Texans probably overprepared in, you know, their game plan with him, considering the fact that of, how big of a focal point he was in the first matchup, right? I, I mean, if I were them, I would make sure that he didn't do that again. And, you know, he had a pretty pedestrian game uh, compared to that first game. But, you know, I mean, still, when called upon, he had some clutch catches. Um, I really hope we see more of him as it goes on because I feel like against the Chiefs, um, that's going to be a much closer game than this one. And it's going to require a big game from him, even if other guys are are – stepping up because with Andrews out, I mean, he's, he's the clutch guy. He's the guy that that's been stepping up in those close games. Obviously he did against the Rams. He did it against the chargers. He's making plays in, in tight situations. So uh, we're going to need him to be a, a big part of that game against the chiefs, but still, you know, good for this game uh, because we didn't really need him <laughs> to do more than he did, but hopefully better going forward. I think we should continue burying the lead just a little bit more and talk about special teams before we talk about defense. Because special teams, I think, was notable. It was worth making some notes about special teams. I think Stout had the worst game of his career, and it wasn't just the punts. So, like, obviously he had that, like, weird, like, shank punt uh, that wasn't for a good distance. And then he had uh, what I saw was a bad hold. So the, it didn't really matter much, I guess. But uh, the 30-31 to 31 extra point attempt... If you see it, he kind of bobbled the ball, getting it down for Tucker. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a wayward kick. It still went through the upper A. It wasn't a wide right like Bass's um, game-tying kick. But, uh, you know, it definitely was an operational error. And then, the, obviously, the punt did get returned for a touchdown later in the game. That wasn't shanked. And it's just like, man, like, <laughs> you know, bad day for Stout. Bad day for the, the punt team in general. And um, 
like I said in the notes, I'm like I'm not, I'm not an expert in special teams coverage. It's probably like easily my weakest, you know, thing of like the schemes. But it felt to me as though they all they had eight guys all at the same like layer of defense. It looked like engage eight, and once he broke through that ro- that line, it was like you know, the clown squad of uh, you know Ott and Stout, you know, like <laughs> the, the snap, the long snapper, and the, and the punter being like, we got this, we can stop him. <laughs> Did not stop him. <laughs> The ironic thing is you rewatch that replay and I, I don't know if this is a totally fair comparison, but it, it looked like Simpson actually may have been able to complete the tackle had Stout not Simpson. been there. Yeah, it looked like it's Simpson was starting to get his arm around. Would he have been able to complete the tackle? I don't know, but Stout certainly um, was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and didn't help, we'll say. Um, but yeah, uh, weird game for him, especially considering the fact that he actually p- punted really well, had a really good game in the wild card game last year at Cincinnati. So, um, not necessarily a case of, of playoff jitters. Maybe you do wonder, I, I was actually thinking about this going into the, the, um, to our seats, you know, with the cold, how it has to be so difficult for special teams guys to, um, perform in the cold weather. Cause I mean, a lot of those guys are just on there for a couple plays. So you're just on the sideline. You have to find some way to keep your muscles warm, to keep your uh, legs fresh and then go in and, and have to perform at, at, you know, top athletic uh, performance. Um, that's not easy. And stouts young. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but I could certainly uh, see that being something that could explain it because um, he's had a great season this year and it was an incredibly uncharacteristic game for him. So hopefully just, you know, a one game hiccup, you know, outlier in what's already been a pretty solid start to his career. But yeah, it was definitely not his best performance. And I don't think it, it took, you know, too discerning of an eye to see that. Yeah. Even the best teams sometimes let him up, you know, 2000 Ravens case in point, only touchdown they let up in the Super Bowl. A special team touchdown <laughs> it happens so i'm not too worried about it it could we can be in certainly worse situations i.e buffalo bills fans um yeah that's not a great situation that definitely costs the game in this case not a huge deal um you know let's just hope uh you know he's got time to turn around there were good things in uh special teams too that we need to get to uh justin tucker drilled the 53 yard field goal to start the scoring for the ravens on that first drive um, surprisingly, I guess, um, longest field goal, uh, converted in Ravens playoff history was that 53 yarder and Justin Tucker's kicked for so long in so many playoff games. You would have thought it was, would have been longer than that, but, uh, that's the longest. So good news for the long range of, of Tucker's leg there and Devin Duvernay and the coverage team coming out of halftime that play, you know, just him getting the ball there, running it close to midfield. I think it's about the 47-yard line. Um, immediate win coming out of halftime because immediately, you even if you don't score there, which obviously they went down and got a touchdown, which is exactly what you want. That's the best-case scenario. But immediately, you, you start the first half in that situation in a tie game ahead because you're already up ahead in the field position battle. So, I mean, that play I thought was incredibly important for this win. Um, I feel like it's a play that's going a little overlooked in the uh, discussions of the game. Isn't even shown in the in the uh, highlight reel on NFL.com for the game. They they skip right over it. But um, 
I felt that that was huge for them to come out and and do that play. I know watching it live, I got really excited. I I felt right away like the halftime worked. Like they went in, adjustments are, were made. They're going to come out here, and it's going to be a big half. And lo and behold, that's what we saw. Definitely huge. Yeah, I feel like um, that kind of kickstarted um, a couple of good drives that they had in the second half too. Um, long long drives that ended in touchdowns. I feel like there's one that yeah, it may have not. May have not been that drive, but it was the next drive, next possession that the Ravens had the ball. It was like a nice like six minute drive, capped with the touchdown. And then the fourth quarter, they did the similar thing, kind of like nice five, six minute drive, cap it with a touchdown. And, you know, between those two and you know, obviously the defense doing their thing, which we'll talk about, you know, that kind of it was the perfect situation, I think, for the Ravens in terms of, you know, field position, you know, um, you know, time of possession, things like that. Um yeah, definitely, uh, definitely great play from Duvernay. I, I feel like you know his his season this year is definitely not you know uh, not as gone as expected. You know with his injury, um, you know missed a couple of games. Obviously, Wallace had a you know a couple of big special teams play um, as well. So he, I feel like he kind of took a back seat for a little bit. But uh, you know he is Devin Duvernay. He's done a lot of good things for us. And uh, you know I feel you know he's an, he's another guy, man. Um, you know I feel like I talked about Justice Hill earlier had a really great game. I feel like Duvernay. Um, you know, it's another guy who um, really, I think, is, is one of those guys who you can probably rely on to make a big play. Uh, I don't know when it's going to happen, if it's going to be against the Chiefs or if we make it to the next game, Super Bowl. Um, you know, but I feel like he's due for another one of those, you know, big plays to kind of, uh, you know, break the break the game open. Complimentary football is the name of the game, man. Like you said, in the second half, the offense was cooking and the defense didn't do nothing like you know didn't allow for anything it was wild so we got like the lead is now here the defense man is the star of the show like i love lamar jackson it was an awesome performance i think it meant a lot for him to win a playoff game in that in that stage and uh you know have a big performance and show the world but man like this defense is why i'm so bullish about the ravens because as they say if they can't score they can't win (laughs) and the Texans never ran a play inside the 25-yard line. <laughs> they scored three points. It was at the end of the first quarter. It was so clear that they were going to have some real trouble scoring. They, they started breaking out like triple reverses, pitches that got you know blown out, blown up and snu- uh, snuffed out. Like you could tell they were trying everything. They did like uh, you know they got to the line quick. They tried to hurry up offense, which I don't think we've ever seen people try to do a hurry up like mid game just to throw us off like they tried anything possible and none of it worked <laughs> they were outmatched this defense absolutely destroyed they lit up three and they were ticked off about it you could tell i remember uh queen was like distraught that he didn't pick the ball off uh when it went over his head to nico collins like this defense wanted to give up zero points and they i, I guarantee they're they're ticked off about three <laughs> yeah it's it, it, it's wild man um it, it, yeah it's wild at how how good they're playing um I feel like it, it, it was immediate, I think, from the first couple of times that they handed the ball off to Singletary that like they were like, No, you're not gonna run all game. Like you're gonna you're gonna try and you're not gonna get anything. You're gonna get tackled for loss. Um and from there, yeah, like you said, it just kind of snowballed. It it was re- it was really funny just how deep the uh you know offensive playbook they were trying to go to be able to get anything going. Um and like you said, none of it worked. <laughs> And I think that's also what made the first half so frustrating, right? Because it was so clear that the defense was just miles ahead 
of where the Houston Texans offense was. Like you said, they were digging deep in the playbook. Um, Stroud wasn't sacked, didn't have a pick all game, but I mean, it felt like every time he dropped back, the Ravens were forcing him to backpedal, which I mean, yeah, it, it allowed him to not get sacked, but obviously it made it much harder for him to keep elite passes. And that's what ended up happening. Um, Stroud looked every much as like the rookie that the Ravens defense should have been able to make him look like, um, like the Browns should have been able to la- last week, you know, and with all due respect to Stroud, I think he's going to be a great quarterback in this league. I think he already is, but it's just, you just look at NFL history. Like we talked about last week, rookie quarterbacks uh, very rarely are able to perform well in the postseason, And if they are, it's generally because of a failure of the defense that they're facing, not <laughs> as much as what they're doing. Um, so some of it, I think the performance was just the Ravens allowing, you know, making sure that Stroud looked like a rookie. But I also think we can't just downplay the fact of how dominant they were. Like you said, rushing, they got 42% of their rushing yards for the game on a single 16 yard carry by Devin Singletary. (laughs) You take that out and, and they averaged less than two yards per carry on the game for, for rushing. The rushing defense was incredibly stout, which, I mean, I think you look at that and you're like, okay, well, it was Devin Singletary. You know, I mean, he's had a couple games this year, but we he's was on the Texans for a reason, but we got to remember there's been games this year where the run defense just hadn't shown up against opponents that they should have been able to dominate like Arizona um, or, uh, you know, some of the games against Cincinnati. I think Mixon ran a little better against us than, he did it against other teams, um, uh, Jacksonville. You know, there there were some games where the rush defense wasn't as good, and they were dominant. They were dominant, and, I mean, we can talk about the pass defense, too, because there were a lot of great things there, like Brandon Stevens and Ronald Darby. I mean, did they let up a couple catches? Sure. I mean, most of them were underneath stuff to the tight end, but, again, no Marlon Humphrey, and, again, this unit is able to step up, which is, I mean – it, 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 I, we've said it every game it's happened this year because it keeps happening, but it's still just so astounding that we've been able to get this depth and we can't talk about the secondary, the corners without talking about Arthur Millette. You know, we're talking about how the pass rush was able to get to Stroud, knock him all of his rhythm out of his game. I mean, Millette had some key blitzes there as well and definitely had some hurried passes there, caused some hurried passes by Stroud just across the board. Those three guys, Stevens, Darby, Millette, Maybe not perfect games from that uh, trio, but pretty darn close. Yeah, I feel like there was a uh, – I can't remember if it was just a uh, an incompletion or something, but it was Millette on a blitz. Um, I think it was in the second half of the game. And I think it may have been either an incompletion or uh, maybe a shot got rid of the ball and somebody got it and maybe it was a tackle for a loss or something. But there was a great um, – you know, Millette was just kind of like on one knee. Um, I, I, I wish somebody had taken a picture of that. Maybe they have. Um, but I thought it was just a great um, uh, a, a great image of him. And I think of like of how he's been playing. Um, yeah, definitely like great player in coverage. Um, very sticky guy. Um, plays a lot, you know, plays a lot larger than, than his size. I mean, he's a pretty small dude. And, uh, you know, great, great on these corner blitzes. Um, when McDonald's like to send him from the slot. And, uh yeah. Um, yeah. But like you said, man, like every, all these corners, I mean, the best thing, the, the best thing about this is, you know, Marlon's injury, um, you know, and we have no idea how long he's going to be out. Um, you know, these guys are going to have to continue to play well and, you know, they keep doing it. I mean, remember week one against the Texans, Marlon was, was out there as well. Um, 
you know, and we, you know, we saw the great play from Stevens and we saw a little bit of Darby and, and rock at that point. And, you know, we were pretty impressed week one and uh, you know, they keep, they just keep doing it, man. Um, you know, Stevens in particular, I feel like has cleaned up a lot of the penalties. Um, you know, he was a guy, you know, he's very physical, obviously. And, you know, can you get called for some of that, uh, some of that stuff downfield? Um, but, you know, overall, you know, very sticky and, uh, you know, tackles well. And yeah, they're, they're just, they're, they're doing great. I'm really looking forward to their matchup against the Chiefs. I, I really think that we've got, we've got some guys who, uh, you know, can really do some damage. And obviously, you know, with the Chiefs and their, you know, wide receiver group being a little bit more depleted than in years past, um, I, I think it's a matchup that looks at, you know, really great for us going into next week. Ooh, I love to talk about that. But first, <laughs> like the, the thing is, the big nasties did their job. Uh, Pierce, Matabike, Jones, Clowney were so disruptive in this game. It's unbelievable. They figured out they could stop the run with the, the six, you know, adding Rowan and PQ. They could be in lighter personnel and stop the run effectively, like Peter mentioned. And then in the same turn, they were able to pass rush with just four guys that didn't have a need to blitz. And even though they recorded no sacks, they pressured uh, Stroud on 40% of his dropbacks. And, I mean, it showed. Or actually, 50%. 50% of his dropbacks. And it showed. Like, the guy was constantly under pressure, constantly getting flushed out. They did what I said. I was, like, talking to Jason. He was like, what do you think they're going to do about Tunsil? You think you can put in, like, uh, Oway against him, you know, Clowney, whatever? And I was like, I think they're going to just have Oway, like, sprinting at him all game long and that's what they did they were like oh way it's gonna be tough but use your athleticism get past Tunsil a couple times and he did you know he never got home but he flushed him out and Stroud you know it's interesting he like got out of the pocket a lot intentionally before the pressure got there and but like I felt like he just did you guys know like he didn't like throw any darts like sometimes you see people roll out and they throw darts he was like just like lofting balls to the guys and like sometimes it worked usually it didn't and other you know other times it was just like you know incompletion or like going out of bounds like i just i was like kind of surprised like that he didn't throw more darts one on the move it just seemed like he was always like lofting the ball like the touch passes you know yeah i mean that could have been intentional right um you know it could have been something the ravens wanted to do it like hey we don't have to hit home but you put him off a spot you know, he's not able to, you know, be as accurate in those situations. I mean, think about with the Browns, right? I mean, we kind of talked about their, you know, man heavy defense and, you know, Shroud was kind of in the pocket, not as pressured um, from them and just able to make the throws, right? Um, you know, but for, you know, for a team like the Ravens, like, okay, we play coverage a lot, you know, a lot more, um, you know, a lot better just because, you know, the scheme and everything and pressure is better. So, you know, between that, like, you know, it only takes a little bit to kind of throw you off. I think he was just confused. I, I think that we just threw a lot at him um, and just he that he wasn't expecting. I mean, it, it kind of went back to what I was saying before. Um, he's had a great year, but I also think that the, he didn't really play that many great defenses, um, particularly in the second half of the season. Um, so I think it was a big step up uh, in matchup. That's kind of how I felt going into it. I felt the the closer we got to the game the more confident i felt that that this was going to be a big win i just feel like you've got a veteran team in the ravens in that matchup they knew what to do they'd been there before the texans they were trying to figure out what that moment was i think that showed with some of strauss um throws like you're saying i think that showed with all the false starts and the penalties that the texans had that 
Um, certainly didn't help them uh, when the game was close and buried them when they were starting to come behind. The Texans will be back. I, I think this is a team that has a lot of promise. They, they could be competing with the elite in the AFC as early as next year and be like legitimate you know, competitors, not just guys in the playoffs making some noise but aren't here for the long haul. Guys, you know, a team that could seriously challenge to be a Super Bowl contender um, if, you know, if they make a couple key moves in the offseason. I really think that they have that potential. But um, in this matchup, I think the, the better team clear, was clearly the Ravens, and, and they showed that. And I'm just glad they did because for a little bit there, it was quite clear who the better team was, and they were just struggling tied with the clearly inferior team. But luckily, worked all in the end. Yeah, well, it's definitely one of these things is not like the other <laughs> as far as the game <laughs> went. And eventually it all broke out. I guess, like, what's interesting to me is this like queen situation. So there were two players. I felt like they thought they could exploit. They thought they could exploit clean and they thought they could exploit Darby and they weren't entirely wrong. Like, I guess, you know, if you, if you try enough throwing at those guys, uh, you know, eventually they'll have some plays against them, but kind of to your point about, you know, Darby laying up some other under stuff and, you know, Queens play, like it just doesn't matter. Like they hit often enough. The rest of the defense is there often enough. They make splash plays. You know, Darby made some great uh, pass defense plays, and Queen was all over the field per normal. I mean, there's just no place. Like, uh, you know, okay, you want to go after Queen? You want to go after Darby? Feel free. <laughs> like, those are two great names to say go after. And the slot corner position has been absolutely deadly between the Hamilton and Millette uh, combination. I mean, it's just it's stacked. The edge rushers are great. Interior linemen, like, there's no place to attack this Ravens defense and you could just tell that the Texans were you know confused I think I was happy that I chose Hamilton as my my playoff jersey I was like I want him to be my playoff jersey and he was shedding doing his thing looking great nearly had a pick my heart stopped when he almost had that pick. oh yeah but then he uh he like redeemed himself um to you know, block, um, the shed a block and, and stop a play. So, you know, just one of those, like another great player just stepping up. He was, he was great in 20, you know, last year's playoff game in 2022. Um, so yeah, he's, he's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm expecting more out of the next week. Yeah. It's funny, you know, going back to, uh, going back to Queen too. Um, I feel like the only, like, I feel like even the only knock on Queen is, is like these running back wheel routes, Really, it's just you know, yeah. there's a couple been a couple of plays like that where he's just you know not able to get his head around to make a play. I mean, he's a good position, but just you know, I guess isn't used to playing that way, and so you know, just isn't able to get his head around. But I mean, if you take that like if one uh, if we play quarters or anything, you're not going to end up in a situation where he's one on one. There's nobody around him. You're going to have somebody else, and like you're not gonna you're not going to make that throw in that coverage, right? So you only have it during certain defensive packages. And two, like if you throw it in the middle of the field where he's able to like, you know, make a tackle, like you're not going to, you're not picking on him at that point. Like that's what the Ravens want to do in most situations. So yeah, it it feels like one of those where it only happens so often. Um, And yeah, you might get a big play, but you know, to your point, Alec, like you have to sustain these really, really long drives. And, you know, that's what you talked about going into it, right? That the Texans are going to have to do that and good luck, you know, try to do that. And, you know, they weren't able to, was, was the answer. 
I wanted to also say you bring up a good point with Hamilton. Um, also, uh, you know, Stone, if you're talking about shedding blocks and, you know, uh, making great tackles uh, behind the line of scrimmage, Stone had another great one. He probably honestly could have had holding called on him um, from the lineman, um, you know, uh, holding on to him as he's trying to make a tackle. Ended up getting the shoestring. I, I don't know if it was Hutchinson or, or Collins. I don't remember who got the ball, but ended up tripping him up. And I think Roquan kind of finished up the tackle, but great effort by Stone. Um, very similar play to the one you talked about. And Vinoy had a great uh, stuff behind the line, too. Uh, on a third and short, he was able to trip up Singletary behind the line there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clowney was really disruptive along the line, um, just across the board. So many guys had big games. Roquan was patrolling sideline to sideline. Um, you know, I, there's just so much that this defense does well. I do hear what, what you guys are saying. I do think if you're looking at the weakness of this defense – it is the underneath stuff with with tight ends or or running back wheel routes with Queen. Those plays, I think, are going to get uh, exploited in this defense. But it, it almost seems like we, I think we've watched enough of this McDonald defense to know that, or, or not to know, but I think to infer that I think they're fine with giving up those yards. I think that you look, they're looking at their scheme, and you can't possibly cover everything, right? So you see that. And you look at these plays, and sure, did, will they get you the, an offense like 15, 17 yards at times? Sure. Well, sometimes they go bad. Yeah, I mean, what was it? I think the game against the Colts, Queen did give up a touchdown to, to Zach Moss on a wheel route. But statistically speaking, I mean, look, the, the 49ers got tons of those plays, and then the defense hardened up in the red zone, forced turnovers, and it, it didn't matter. Those plays ended up being empty calories. And so I, I think that that's just kind of – what the defense is, uh, you know, it's like, okay, we'll give you those plays because we don't really think that's going to matter in the end. And we're going to harden up on, on and, you know, prevent the big plays, the backbreaking plays, harden up in the red zone, you know, still p- apply pressure where it makes sense. And that's just kind of what the, the philosophy is with this defense. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see next week because you're going up against one of the greatest offensive minds in NFL history and Andy Reid, the chiefs are going to throw a ton at this defense. Um, that's going to be a huge test and one that's going to be really exciting to see the, the chess match that's going to be there between um, the chiefs offense and the Ravens defense. But um, you know, this defense does a lot of things really well, a lot of things really well. And I think it's going to be going to be a challenge for Mahomes. One thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap up, the show is, do you think that there's any organizational EDC like scheming going on that PQ has been such a center point of uh, doing media availability and such? Like he very frequently talks after games and I'm wondering if they were trying to like really groom him as a face of a franchise kind of guy so that, you know, they give him big money and they get a bigger comp pick out of him. Like I, it's just like this like little subtle thing where I feel like they're like, intentionally grooming PQ and it, it, it's great that he's been having a good year and stuff too, but like you never see Roe really have like post game talks. Maybe it's something he doesn't like to do or something. I don't know, but like he seldom is uh, at the podium. I just felt like, I feel like PQ is like, they're, they're, they're trying to groom him. I, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's been, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is going too much into off season talk and we got to talk about the chiefs. So I don't want to go too much on that, but like, um, but I mean, he's been a leader of this team for like a long time. Like you know, I think he's respected in that defense, and even before Roquan, when Roquan was here, um, 
So like, I don't think it's that out of the ordinary to be honest, but um, I don't know. I, I, I don't look into much more than that. I mean, he's a great player on this defense. So like, it's not like, I don't know. It's not like having like Geno Stone up there. Like Geno's also a very good player, you know, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but like, he's not like one of the star players of this you know, team. So you got so many star players on this team. Like, you know, you pick anybody. I don't, I don't even know what this, what this off season word is. I don't know what this uh, comp picks are. <laughs> All I know is that Patrick queen is a guy who's suiting up uh, this coming Sunday against the Kansas city chiefs in Ravens. Uh, black helmet, maybe Ravens black jersey and black pants. We'll see. We don't know the threads yet. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah stay I'll learn about in, what, Alec. Come on, what do you do? <laughs> I'll learn right? about what this off season word is. You know, after the Ravens are done their business. But uh, sounds like an intriguing topic to talk about. Um, you know, when there's no more football in the 2023 24 season. All right, fair enough. MVPs, guys. Who you got? So many guys we can pick. Um, I'm gonna go with two guys. Um. And the reason I'm going with these guys is because I think the only way that the Ravens could have lost this game was if they weren't able to to contain Nico Collins. Brandon Stevens and Ronald Darby made sure that didn't happen. Did a great job. Uh, Nico Collins, six catches on, sorry, five catches on 10 targets. Um, his least His least efficient game since the first time the Ravens played the Texans this year. They stepped up big, uh, so I'm going to give it to them. Nice. I said his name earlier, um, but I'm going to go ahead and say Justice Hill. Um, I think he had a lot of great runs. Like I said, to convert those second and long situations into third and short. I got first downs. Um, you know, I just I think he was a real key in, in uh, extending a lot of these late drives that uh, ended up eating a bun- bunch of clock. I feel like this performance is one of those that uh, breaks the rule of you can't say Lamar Jackson because he's always the MVP. But this was a, a truly MVP performance from Lamar. And uh, he'll steal it from uh, Clowney, who would probably be my honorable mention. Because, like, I, I put in the notes, like, he's so disruptive, I didn't even feel like writing down all the times. <laughs> it just, he is. <laughs> uh, what an what a incredibly high-quality find he was. That wraps it up. We're staying locked in. I'm, I'm grateful for the boys keeping me honest. You know, they're like, lock in. Let's talk about this game and move on to the Chiefs. Fair enough. So, next episode will be about those Chiefs, a team that has been the AFC Conference game way too much uh, over the last few years. And they're there one more time, but this time it's in our house. And uh, hopefully it has a different outcome. So Ravens have the biggest game in Baltimore history. And we can't wait to talk about it next episode. We'll see you there.